0: Welcome back to episode five of Finding Your Fearless, a Melbourne Vixens podcast hosted by me, Joe Weston. Finding Your Fearless is presented by Deakin University. At Deakin University, every single course is backed by industry experts. This means you can be confident you'll get the job you want with a degree employers want. Deakin University, progressive real-world learning. Today, I'm joined by basketball player Jenna O'Hay. Jenna is the captain of the Opals, the Australian basketball team, and was most recently selected to lead the team in the upcoming Olympics in Tokyo. Alongside her national commitments, Jenna plays in the Southside Flyers in the WNBL, who are the reigning premiers after winning up in Queensland last year. Jenna led the Opals to a silver medal in the 2018 World Championships, and she's hoping to go one better at the upcoming Olympics. Please enjoy this chat with Jenna. Jenna, thank you for joining me on Finding Your Fearless. How are you going? I'm good, thank you. Now, I've seen you around the VIS and it's always nice to see a fellow tall woman in the gym. Have you thought about, you know, crossing over and joining us in the Vixens crew? (laughs) Well... The only reason I'm playing basketball is because I got offered
1: an AIS scholarship for basketball first. I played netball my whole junior career and I really loved it. Um, So it's always nice to to see you guys in the gym because I do really enjoy netball and I watch as many games as I can. Um, But yeah, pretty um, set on my basketball career right
0: now. (laughs) What position did you play on the netball court? I was goal attack
1: and I shot like a basketballer and the netballers did not like me very much.
0: We are. We can be very particular. My, Obviously, I'm not a shooter, but my shooting style is questionable. But, you know, Gretel Tippett does quite well, Gretel Buetta actually now, does quite well for herself with her b-ball shooting style. So maybe... Do she have to do layups and stuff as well sometimes? Yeah, she did one on the weekend and it definitely oh, gets did. people excited. Too. So you'd be a hit in the Neville world if you ever figured I'll keep it in mind. so I guess it's a pretty exciting time for you you've recently been selected to go away to Tokyo for the Olympics can you tell me about the process I guess about selection most people know a little bit about what it's like to be selected into a team sport but it's very different probably from the Australian swim uh, trials we're seeing on TV at the moment
1: yeah um, obviously very different I guess with swimming you if you get a certain time you qualify um, whereas with basketball it's a lot different it's sort of as with netball it's makeup of the team and who meshes well together and the chemistry and stuff like that. Um, it seems like it's been a very long process this particular selection just with the delay of the game mm-hmm. uh, last year <laughs> so it feels like the longest selection of my life and it's been the last we time it was in 2012 so it seems even longer for me um, but we've had um, a couple of camps. This year a bit disrupted just because of COVID, as with everything in the world mm-hmm. at the moment. Uh, and then uh, we were told after a selection camp in look, the dates are all sort of blending in together. I think we had selection camp early May and we we're told we we're gonna to get a phone call on a particular Sunday, and that phone call came through and um, Sandy Brondello was, Congratulations, dinner. you're gonna you're my captain. So that was sort of how I was told it was. Double <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, we flew up to, a few of us flew up to Sydney and got our happy coats and our boarding passes. It was all very exciting.
0: Yeah. The uniform looks amazing. And those photos always really warm my heart. I think the, um, large boarding pass sort of reminds me of a charity check, you know, when you go to big functions. Yes, it and- <laughs>
1: felt like that too. <laughs> I think I post the photo on my Instagram and just, it's, it's the look on my face just says it all, just pure ecstasy in getting that
0: boarding pass. Well, congratulations. I know there's so many people that are really looking forward to watching both you and the Opals and the Boomers and all of our other Australian athletes that are heading over to represent our country in a few weeks now or a few months. Uh, How long is the countdown now?
1: We leave Australia on the 5th of July uh, and we head to Vegas. uh, So majority of our team is playing over in the WNBA at the moment Mm -hmm. in America, including our head coach. So we're going over to America uh, to meet them. So six of us and the support staff will fly over there and we'll play a couple of games against some teams in America in Vegas and then we'll all fly together to Tokyo. So I don't know what that countdown is specifically, but it just feels like it's getting very close. Um, It's middle of June now and yeah, leaving the 5th of July. So as long as, as much as this selection process has felt like it dragged on forever, it's sort of just coming way too quick for me right now.
0: That is going to be incredibly exciting, especially probably being reunited with your teammates. We've seen you working so hard by yourself. And I know most of us (laughs) who play team sports love to do it because we like to be a part of something with others. So I think being separated both by distance and uh, border controls must be really difficult in terms of trying to get, you know, that team groove and the team morale leading up to such a huge event.
1: Yeah, it's been difficult. So the last time the Opals played together was February of last year for the Mm. qualifiers. Um, And (laughs) I was injured for that. So for me, it was November of 2019 that I was with the full group for games. So (laughs) really looking forward to getting to Vegas and getting those training sessions in and just being, you know, having the group together again and then getting those games and trying to reestablish that chemistry um, as quickly as we can leading
0: into the game. I'm sure it's going to be like putting on your favourite pair of shoes once you cross over to the American chores. But you grew up in country Victoria and I went to the AIS actually. I was on their netball scholarship I think just a couple of years after you. But, I mean, if you flash back to uh, that time in your life, I know – Basketball really had sort of that set pathway about going to the AIS and then going over to America to go and play college. Did you follow that pathway?
1: No, I did not. Um, I went to the AIS and I spent uh, a year and a half there. I went up in um, halfway through year ten. Oh, wow. that's um, and so then young. <laughs> I know I was at Canberra High with all the gymnasts, mm. so it was a little bit of a different experience for me. Um, Slightly and then taller than you. Year- yeah. <laughs> It was very funny getting on the bus with Mick and just <laughs> me just being a giant compared to all of them. Um, and then did year 11 and I just really did not like the schooling there. So, ended up coming home and finishing year 12 um, back home in Melbourne. Um, and then went straight into the Dublin um in uh, Australia um, and then sort of did the America and Europe stuff after that. Um, so, yeah, everyone has sort of a different pathway, I guess. I think college is a lot more popular these days to go over with the mm-hmm. um, education, but uh, my preference was just to go straight to a pro. So that was,
0: yeah, uh, 17 or 18. I always find the comparison between probably our two sports quite interesting because where we play in Australia, it's probably the high one of the highest calibre leagues in the world. But for you, majority of basketballers have to go overseas to sort of get access to uh, potentially better training or a better... Um, Ability to play. So, where did you hit? Did you get a better pay packet generally? Oh, yes, of course. We'll we'll circle back to that one, especially because I know that you only get paid. Um, you're not on, you know, like a whole year contract. You have to you have to follow the money to a degree in terms of trying to play here and then get paid for that contract. And then once that one finishes, you go and have to find something else. So, has basketball been able to take you sort of all over the world? It's not as glamorous as it seems.
1: Uh, it's is it? definitely
0: not as glamorous.
1: Um But also very thankful because I have been able to travel all over the world. Um, so went to uh, Europe, to France when I was quite young. I think I was 21 when I first went over there and yeah. um, it was, <laughs> yeah, um, quite an experience. Um, I was up in the north of France and mm-hmm. um, just couldn't speak the language. There was a lot of travel that I wasn't used to, extremely homesick, where, you know, technology isn't what, it is today back then. Um, it was just a Sunday. I'm pretty sure it was Sunday morning Skype calls with my family, which was Sunday night for them. Um, otherwise, you know, text messaging was too expensive and we yeah. couldn't just call on FaceTime or WhatsApp or anything back then. So that was really difficult. I got extremely homesick, sick um, and then came home for a couple of years and played back in the WNBL uh, and then went over to America and played six years in the WNBA and then played another couple of years later um, in France, which I enjoyed my time a lot more. Mm. Technology was better and i had had that experience in America with sort of an English-speaking country where I felt really comfortable there and that, that sort of helped me transition to, um, to Europe. But it was, you know, I was gone for 11 months of the year, only getting home for uh, three or four weeks each year to see my family and then it was just abroad playing basketball, um, trying to improve my game. But, yeah, that's sort of where the money was um, for me at the time as well.
0: That must have been so challenging, especially when you were quite – young you know you try and foster relationships and friendships and it's really difficult to do that from afar I think anyone who's even just moved interstate in Australia finds that distance challenging let alone being on the other side of the world in a completely different time zone when technology isn't what it is today but I guess it's still amazing because basketball is so popular over there where the crowd's um, really different I guess to what you probably saw back here when you came and played in the WNBL here in comparison to potentially in America, because I know it's, it's pretty popular over there.
1: Yeah. So different. So in America, um, it's one of the most popular sports and um, it has a really great following. So we always had really big crowds. We're playing in these massive arenas, which was a real thrill. And then over in Europe, um, you generally play in really sort of small country towns and there's not much else to do in those (laughs) country towns. So everyone in the town comes to the game. They've got drums and trumpets and, just this whole band that's playing um, music throughout the game and they're just like really passionate. We then play in EuroLeague, so going over to sort of like Turkey and Russia and if we would beat teams, um, say in Turkey, we're walking off the court, we're getting spat on by the crowd because they're just like so um, passionate. Um, They'd be throwing things on the court if their team wasn't playing well. Um, So it was just a very eye-opening and different experience, just the passion that those European fans have for their team.
0: And I guess, yeah, that sounds pretty, pretty intense. I haven't experienced it, uh, that sort of crowd feedback just yet, but who knows, hopefully (laughs) nothing too aggressive. But I guess amongst all that, you were selected for the Olympics in London in 2012. From afar, that just looked like probably one of the most amazing Olympic games that have probably happened in the last 50 years or so, other than probably Sydney, which, uh, you know. yeah. Definitely holds a personal uh, favourite spot in my heart. But how was the opening ceremony? How was the closing of ceremony? How did you go in the end and the result?
1: Oh, my gosh. So I have a really terrible memory. So when people <laughs> ask me about things, I don't remember a lot. But two things that I do remember was the opening ceremony. Um, my best friend um, from forever, we started playing basketball together when we were seven and eight years old. Um, we're both in the team together and I just remember holding her hand and walking into the stadium together for the opening ceremony and just it, it just felt surreal. I, uh, it's hard to explain, um, but that's something that I actually never forget. Um, we ended up getting bronze, so I remember getting that medal around my neck and looking up into the crowd and seeing a lot of my family came over um, to watch, so being able to look up into them in the crowd and just everyone with tears in their eyes was really special. And then the closing ceremony, I just felt like all my dreams had come true. I'd been at the Olympics. We got this bronze medal and then the Spice girls were playing at the closing ceremony. I was like front row to them <laughs> at the closing ceremony. And it was just, yeah, all my childhood girl dreams had come true at once. It was incredible. And then we left the opening ceremony and ran back to dining hall. And we got McDonald's because there's free McDonald's in the village, but during the tournament, you can't really eat that. So that was just what we wanted. And it was just like every single athlete, I think, had the same idea and the line was huge. And it was just the feeding frenzy at McDonald's after the closing (laughs) ceremony. They're sort of like my main memories. In terms of the games, I remember nothing, uh, but those, memory stand out to me. I think that there's
0: four that I just mentioned. (laughs) Well, hopefully there's a few more of those to come in the upcoming games. I feel like it's an interesting – obviously coming third isn't probably the ideal result. You know, you want to be in the gold medal match because you want to be having a chance, but – when it comes to coming third in a team sport, you actually have to win that game to win that medal in comparison. Obviously, you have to finish first or second to win a silver medal. But I've always found it's a weird feeling when you come third mm-hmm. in comparison to winning a silver medal. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I completely agree with you. Um, getting third in London, it, was, it, was, it felt great. You, win on the, you, you end on a win and that feels great. So you're winning the bronze medal. Whereas in 2018 at the World Cup, you lose gold. You don't I, I, You don't win silver in a team sport, I don't think. Sort of like you're losing gold. So as long as, like, we got a better medal at the World Cup compared to the Olympics, but I don't know, the winning of bronze feels a lot better. It's like just this real bitter, sweet feeling with the silver. It's like, uh, so disappointed, but yay, a silver. Like, it's just mixed emotions. So... Yeah, you really want to get go- you really want to get gold, and of course you want to be in that gold medal game to have a chance to do that. But yeah, losing gold is is, is tough. Oh, it, I, I don't yeah. want to do that. No.
0: And I am wishing you all the best for the upcoming Olympics. I think you've got bronze, then you've had silver at the last World Champs. You're on the natural trajectory to securing that gold medal but I definitely relate because I both, like the way you think yeah seems like the, na- <laughs> the next step um, yeah because we both indeed. played at the 2018 cum games on the gold coast which is probably one of my favorite sporting memories and just I guess getting to play in a large sporting tournament on home soil although I know for basketball there's a lot of big nations that aren't there um I guess that experience for me was so special because we probably won't get a chance to have an Olympics in Australia in our timeframe of being an elite athlete. You ended up winning a gold medal in that match. Can you sort of explore what it was like, uh, the closing ceremony? It was so much fun. Like that was, it was amazing.
1: Yeah, that tournament was so fun. Um, it's not for basketball. It's not a major tournament for us. Um, it's only basketball is only at the Commonwealth games and it's in Australia because Australia knows <laughs> I didn't against know that. the nations. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's only been at the 2006 Melbourne Commonwealth games and then, um, the Gold Coast games in 2018. So That's even better we bring it in. <laughs> yeah. So that tournament was just so much fun. Um, it was super, I don't want to disrespect the other nations, but it, it wasn't a difficult tournament for us and we had a lot of fun. Um, just being on the Gold Coast and being in the village and it was, it was awesome and um, we loved that tournament um, and winning gold just topped off at the end as well. So, yeah, that was, that was super fun. I, I missed the smoothie um, truck that was a tr- the smoothie van that was there. That was a favourite of mine just sitting out in the sun and, yeah, that was just an awesome
0: time. So I think apart from, I guess, the major tournaments you play, and we spoke earlier about how in basketball you probably lack the stability that people who play in a domestic league or even in just sort of other sporting leagues, basketball just seems to have this short-term contract philosophy. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Do you think it would be better to be able to just have – one contract or do some players love the ability to be able to sort of jump and experience different things, but it would be really hard to put roots down and set up a foundation for a life after sport when you're traveling constantly.
1: Yeah. Um, sort of mixed emotions. I think definitely when I was younger, I kind of liked the ability to sort of just do what I wanted. Um, and we don't make a lot of money in Australia. So, We sort of need to play in the off season and that's another way that we can make more money. So you play in the National League, which goes from October to March, and then sort of play in the lower league, um, which goes from sort of April to August, September. So it's a way to sort of double up on your cash. And then you can also go over to Europe or go to America. So when I was younger, I definitely liked to have options. But I think as I'm getting older, I sort of would love a bit more stability. Um, last year in particular with COVID, um, you know, there was no JobKeeper or anything for us because we our, our contracts aren't structured like that. Mm. Um, so that made it really hard last year. Um, so I sort of see it from both. You can't make everyone happy, I guess. Um, and I think the WNBL is doing a better job. We've got sort of a CBA in there now. Um, our minimum wage is slowly coming up. I think we've still got a long way to go, but we're definitely making, Um, the right steps and we actually base a lot of our CBA negotiations off of netball because I think you guys have done such a fantastic job and I think women in sport we can always do better but we're always striving to yeah just make the conditions for our younger athletes coming through better than what we had and I think we're slowly getting there but yeah there's still a long way to go.
0: Yeah there's been a lot of growth in basketball over the last few years you now play with the, the south side flies that's right isn't it? Southside, yes, yep. Yep, yeah, which wasn't a team up until a couple of years ago. So I think that's been pretty exciting. Is it an amalgamation of an old team that was in the old WNBL? Because I know the Boomers have been around for quite a long time now.
1: Yeah, so um, Danny Nong Rangers are no longer in the league, and yeah. um, Jerry Ryan from Jayco um, sort of bought out that and then rebranded into the Southside Flyers. So we still play out, well, last year obviously we had the hub, but um, we play out of Danny Nong Basketball Stadium. So it's all pretty similar, but. Um, yeah, Jerry rebranded it and new colours. And um, yeah, it's um, been, a, you know, we've had two successful seasons. We made the grand final in our first season and then won it last season. So we're looking to go back to back this
0: year. I love the blue colour of your uniforms, which is. It's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> it's such a shallow thing to say, but I, you know, I think the Vixens have really nice colours. We're very lucky. And I definitely think that the South. South I can't even say that. Excuse me. Sorry. South Side Flyers. Totally fine. <laughs> have some yeah, of the teal is
1: mm. so pretty. We love it. No matter like what skin tone you are, I just feel like teal looks great on everyone. It's
0: universally flattering in that respect. <laughs> but I guess we both had to play in hub conditions last year. I'm actually up in Queensland again now just due to some of the COVID restrictions in Victoria. Yours was slightly more condensed than ours was. But how did you how did you find the experience? I think winning does help when you're on the road for extended period of time. But so do you think that your team was probably a bit more prepared for it because most of you have spent time away from home playing basketball before?
1: Oh, I hadn't thought of it like that, but maybe. Um, all I know is I hated the hub and I oh, can't believe you guys are in it again. I don't know how you feel about uh, it, but I'm someone that um, <laughs> needs their own space. Mm. I'm an introvert and um, – it's a lot for me to constantly sort of be around people or constantly see people. And so, you know, just waking up to go get your morning coffee and there's a ref, there's a coach of an opposition, oh, there's a teammate, oh, we're playing um, this girl today and she's sitting next to me while we're ordered coffee. And for me, it was just um, that fishbowl environment did not suit me at all. And I I really do not want to be in a hub ever again. Um, I understand the Olympics is going to be sort of like that, but I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's a lot for my... Head. It's a lot for my soul. Um, so definitely uh I struggled in that environment. I'm lucky that I had teammates who respected the fact mm-hmm. that I needed space. Um and our team was good of um, you know, we had some meals together but a lot of cooking by ourselves. Um, so that was good and yeah, definitely as you would know, winning um sort of just tops it off at the end because it would have been a hard long road to not win it. And I don't know how I would have mentally coped. It took me probably, you know, a month um, afterwards to actually feel human again after that experience um, just um, emotionally coming down from the wind and from the hub and um, yeah getting back to life in Melbourne so it, yeah it, 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 the lingering effects of the hub um, stayed around for a while for me I don't know how you guys did it for so long last year and then are back in it again.
0: It's definitely a case of overstimulation when you end up leaving an environment like that for me it was sort of not dissimilar to when I've been on Diamonds tours before, when you, you share with someone and you're used to doing things with everyone and then suddenly you don't have that it when you get home. And I was like, whoa, like I don't, I don't have sort of, I guess, that omnipresent feeling like you sort of have to be on all the time, like you're sort of part of a team all the time, which is not something you really sign up for when you play in a domestic league. You know, you turn up to training, you turn up to games and you do a lot of your work away from your team to perform when you're together. And I probably am more of an extrovert. So I found the part about hanging out with my teammates really difficult, not difficult, but I did find being away from my family and friends when all of them were back in Melbourne, experiencing the really tough lockdown of stage four. I found that part really hard. I felt, I felt a bit guilty (laughs) a lot of the time Ah, whilst we were away. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, lockdown wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess you did have to experience part of it. I do think being in Brisbane rather than probably a smaller town like Townsville probably helped the situation. Like we're up on the sunny coast at the moment, which is beautiful, uh, but it is um, a smaller environment and you, do, you don't have the sort of space that we probably had when we were in Brisbane where you've got, you know, there's more than two places to go and get breakfast or there's more than one supermarket because you were in Townsville or Cairns?
1: Um, we went between the two, um, but we sort of just had one hotel in Townsville, one hotel in Cairns. And so there was four teams in Cairns, four teams in Townsville, pretty much at all times. Um, so it was, yeah, the place in Townsville, there was literally one coffee shop we could walk to. (laughs) So everyone was there. (laughs) Um, in Cairns, it was, I don't know, maybe a little bit better, but yeah, it was small towns. It was just very, um in your face and no escape, which, you know, when you're home in Melbourne, you go to training and then you can come home. It's so, you know, for dinner at your parents' place or you go see some friends, there's sort of that escape, whereas it just, yeah, it
0: wasn't possible in Townsville and Camps. Yeah, that does sound pretty rough. I was quite jealous of all of you that had your family and friends present when you won the championship because I did tune in to watch because none of us had that when we were in Brisbane last year because the restrictions and the borders hadn't lifted. And it's always nice to be able to share um, your victories with those who supported you along the way. But hopefully, for the WNBL at the end of this year, when you guys get back from the Olympics, everything will just be normal and you'll just be able to you know, play FIFA, fly in, fly out?
1: Look, let's hope so. I thought that was going to be the case for you guys and here we are. (laughs) I don't know if normal is – I don't know. I don't know what normal is anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So you're pretty settled back here in Melbourne now. Have you potentially thought about going overseas to play again, uh, joining maybe some of your Opals teammates over in the States or do you think you're going to stay in Australia for the rest of your career? Oh, the rest of my career
1: is not very long, (laughs) so I find another two years with the Flyers Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that will probably almost uh, see my career out. So I really enjoyed my time in Europe and America, but yeah, I'm very settled in Australia now and um, yeah, happy to be playing in front of family and friends again and yeah, very settled here. So no, this will be um, just Australia side now. (laughs)
0: Well, I'm glad you've managed to play all over the world in your career because you have been playing for a really long time. I mean, (laughs) not saying you're old, your experience, Jenna, don't misquote me in that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you said really it, not long me. You've been
1: playing really long time. <laughs> yes, not even I just have.
0: long, a really, <laughs> a really long time. Please don't ignore me when I see you back in the VIS and we're back from <laughs> Queensland.
1: <laughs>
0: Black booked you. No, I'm kidding. Oh, no, definitely not. But uh, I guess flashing forward to what the Olympics are going to look like, um, I'm sure I don't have a huge listening base, but there is a lot of speculation about what the protocols are going to be and how, you know, some athletes have been able to jump the queue. I was going to put inverted commas around that, but I guess that is. But I am on the side that, you know, you're going overseas to work. So for me, I think it makes sense in terms of the rollout of that but you know you probably have to quarantine when you come home do you do you have any info about what that looks like or are you just taking it day by day
1: I am a person who really dislikes the unknown I ask a lot of questions you can ask Steve that (laughs) Um, but I'm always asking questions like I like to know things and because then I can just prepare my mind Mm. Um, and so I've been asking a lot of questions in this process and especially being one of the leaders of the team I want to make sure that everyone's safe and everyone has the information that They need, and um, a lot of the answers I've been getting is we don't know. (laughs) That's been really great, but um, from my understanding is we are um, pretty much all fully vaccinated now. We've all had our second shot, so we did jump the queue, um, and I know there was an outcry about that, especially with the rollout in Australia, Um, but I feel very lucky that we've been able to get vaccinated to keep um, each other safe in Japan, Mm -hmm. but also the Japanese people, we're going into their country and... Um, We want to keep them safe as well. Um, And from my understanding, we're getting tested uh, every day uh, at Tokyo um, to make sure that, uh, you know, COVID isn't spreading around the village. Um, And my understanding is that it's 14 days of strict quarantine on the way back. So any tips you have with quarantine? I know you've done it. Just send them my way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've done it a couple of times now. I haven't had to do... The 14 day uh, hotel quarantine, we did it in Queensland, but that was in sort of shared apartments as well with the Vixens. And then I most recently went to New Zealand and we had, that was in managed international quarantine. So we had maybe five days we weren't allowed out of our rooms. And then after that, uh, there was, you know, we're allowed to go out to training and we're allowed to go out in the fresh air time and walk around in circles and try and I get think I dizzy. did see that. <laughs> yep, just doing just doing loops. Um, so I haven't had – Better the, than nothing. Yeah, I haven't had the full two weeks, but I feel like, you know, that's four weeks of semi-quarantine, so perhaps it adds up. I feel like lots of good books, and I have a Nintendo Switch because I am a child, uh, which is a video that's game That's a good console. idea, actually. And it's really fun. The girls are here – I've got this game called Just Dance which is I don't know it's where you put the remote in your hand and you have to do the dance moves on the screen but it's actually a really good exercise
1: Yeah, I have that on the Wii and Rebecca Cole and I have it at my house. (laughs) Then on a Saturday afternoon, we're like in a full sweat after all our dancing. (laughs) That's a good idea. I think I'll have to get that.
0: Yeah, you might have to take something like that with you. And then how else? It's just about keeping, you know, keeping some sort of routine and making sure you've got a whole lot of Netflix recommendations but yeah it's pretty it's going to be tough but hopefully when you have um an amazing olympic experience and probably some kind of uh metal hanging some new around jewelry neck, some new we'll body, make it easier hopefully <laughs> that definitely will make it easier um yeah so i guess that's super exciting for you one of the questions i've been asking a few of um, the guests i've had on about um have you had any sort of serious injuries or issues probably in your sporting career that sort of made you had to really dig deep and lean on a lot of the resilience you learned being in an elite sporting environment?
1: Oh, have I ever? Um, Gee whiz, where do I even start? Um, No, when I was um, 17, I dislocated my sub-tailor joint. Oh,
0: ankle for anyone wondering. Yes. Um, So I
1: was just at a training session um, and the ball was going out of bounds. I tapped it back in and sort of fell over and then looked at my foot and it was a banana. Um, so uh, mum came and picked me up and went straight to the hospital and they put it back into place. And um, their comment to me was um, this injury only happens with kamikaze pilots. And you probably won't walk again. I was like, great. <laughs> That's what I want to hear at 17. Um, so worked my way back to yeah, walking and then running and then playing and once I got back to playing, I just kept getting stress fractures on my
0: navicular bone. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, the whole navicular bone. Heard about that one from um, our uh, my colleague, Liz Watson. Watson. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you've seen her in the gym working sure hard. Sure I have. Um, so then I ended up getting a tib post reconstruction
1: um, <sighs> when I was 19. Um, uh, and then um, – I got back from that so that was sort of like a three, four year period of sort of dealing with those injuries and then I had um, osteitis pubis um, during the 2010 World Champs which um, had me out for a while, just getting out of bed, really difficult with that. Mm, Um, Yeah Uh, and then there was a couple sort of less uh, major ones and then um, in the last year in January I broke my scaphoid uh, in my wrist Um, Uh, and that was Leading into finals and for the um, Olympic qualifiers, I missed um, because of that injury. So, there's been a few throughout my career and <laughs> just sort of keep bouncing back.
0: I feel like that is definitely the moral of the story. And I've seen you with some of your modified exercises in the gym. <laughs> and if there is a will, there is definitely a way when it comes to everyone at the Victorian Institute of Sport and just people who are in elite pathways more generally.
1: Yeah, Ben King always finds a way to make me do exercises that I don't want to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like, you know, breaking a scapegoat was a really good way to get out of holding weights and there's, you know, they still manage to fight. At least you don't have to do chin-ups probably. I do not have to do chin-ups. It's
1: <laughs> been it. a lo- long time. <laughs> um, but I think even when I was um, coming back to my wrist, I was thinking the same thing and then they're like, if you do heavy, so with my left wrist, if you do heavy on your right um, arm that's um, translation to your left side of your body. I was like, you're kidding me. So instead just doing my one arm and I'm like, oh gosh. But anyway, I think it did help.
0: I have heard that too from when I've had – I mean, I've had a whole range of ankle injuries, definitely not as serious as a subtalar dislocation. Don't have a lot of ligaments left, but that's okay. I've got plenty of scar tissue just to fill the void. (laughs) That'll hold it together. That'll hold it. That'll make them really stable. But they do say that, like if you're doing something on one leg, that there's some sort of transfer. I don't really know how that works, but I believe it too, you know. (laughs) That's what they said to me, so anyway – I think it helped. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Best of luck for your experience over at the Tokyo Games. I'm sure all of your family and friends and most of the nation are looking for, I cannot wait to see the Olympics on TV again. It is just, it's one of those things which with the time zone as well from Japan, very, very viewer friendly. Yeah,
1: very friendly for Australians. It's going to be great.
0: Is there an opening ceremony at all or are all of those sort of uh, normal things restricted because of uh, COVID?
1: I think they're still figuring it out, but I did hear it's going to be virtual.
0: Oh, okay. That'll be fun. Yeah.
1: So just I think as the world is, it's going to be on Zoom type thing for us, just in our rooms.
0: And how does your draw look? Is America and Russia or Canada your biggest threats?
1: Um, In our pool, um, our first game is against Belgium. They finished fourth at the World Cup in 2018 and okay. have some really great players. Um, we've also got China in our pool and Puerto Rico. Um, we've played against China a lot. They're always mm-hmm. um, tough. And then Puerto Rico um, sh- should be, we're not disrespecting them, but should be the easier game of our pool. Um, yeah, it's going it's to be a tough tournament. Um, there's a lot of good teams. France are right up there. Uh, USA, yep. obviously. Um, yeah, Belgium are good. Spain are good. Yeah, there's a lot of good teams. Japan, the host nation are going to be good. And yeah, we'll see how we go. A, yeah, they'll
0: have a bit of a home court advantage too or maybe not much of a home crowd though. Yeah, I, I still don't know. if
1: uh, They were talking about just allowing
0: Japanese
1: um, supporters, but I don't even know if that's going to be allowed now just with the cases that are over there. So we'll see what comes of it um, in the next couple of weeks when uh, the last playbook comes out for us.
0: Well, uh, good luck for it and I hope you get a little bit of clarity but I guess we're all having to deal with large amounts of uncertainty but it's definitely going to be an Olympics for the books and you being the captain I guess is such a big privilege and an exciting opportunity for you to lead the Opals so um, enjoy, can't wait to hear all about it and see you Thank on the you, TV. I hope to
1: see you back in Melbourne at the gym soon.
0: Hopefully before you leave, we're, we're hoping to be wrapped up here in a couple of weeks now that things in Melbourne seem to be out of control. Oh, no, under control, not out back of control. control. Back in control. Back 100%, but for the meantime. Fingers crossed so you can get back to your own bed. And my dog. I'm really advocating oh, no. for us to be able to have a team. I'm not sure where, what your stance is on pets, but for me it's definitely um, affirmative. And I just want a team dog. Like, why can't we, you know, we've got a physio. And a dog.
1: Absolutely. It would help with
0: camaraderie and just mental health. Like you need a teen dog. I'm not going to say to Steve Hawkins that they're equally as important. However, Billy, my dog would be a close second.
1: <laughs> For sure. Steve loves my dog Cosmo. He sometimes comes to treatment with me. Oh, what breed he is Cosmo? the bed with me. Oh, Cosmo's a bit star.
0: Oh, that's cute. If you don't know what he is. <laughs> <laughs> that's cute. Just a bit of everything. But he is cute.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Of everything, yeah, but he's cute.
0: <laughs> well, good luck and thanks for joining me, Jenna. Thanks, Joe. Bye. I hope you enjoyed episode five of Finding Your Fearless, a Melbourne Vixen's podcast hosted by Joe Weston. Finding Your Fearless is presented by our proud partner, Deakin University. Like me, you can learn from the best with Victoria's number one university for teaching quality. This means you can be confident you'll get the job you want with a degree employers want. Deakin University. Progressive real world learning.